Welcome to today's edition of the Rutten Brothers with Father John Rutten of St. Lambert's Parish in Sioux Falls, Father Paul Rutten of Immaculate Conception Parish in Watertown, and Joe Rutten, Director of Faith Formation at St. Joseph's Cathedral in Sioux Falls on the Lamb Catholic Radio Network, 104.3, 91.3, and 88.9 FM, and online at lambradio.com. The Rutten Brothers show is being brought to you in part by Mount Marty College, preparing tomorrow's leaders in the Catholic Benedictine tradition. If you have questions for the Ruttons, call 605-275-4659 or email info at lamradio.com. Now here's your host, Joe Rutten. Good morning, Sioux Falls and beyond. How's everybody doing from coast to coast? We give you a toast this morning as you listen to Rutten Radio, a show devoted to bringing you conversations of faith, family, and Rutten festivities Here's a toast, brothers. How we doing? I'm peaked. Peaked? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm terrible great. tries of the word. I but. am doing great. Do you want to know why I'm doing great? Why? So this morning, I'm getting ready. And where are you? Where are you? We're staying at Joe's at? house. And again, this time, I was not awoken in the middle of the night by any kids. But <laughs> we get up and we're going in and Joe's trying to rouse his little son, Leo. And Leo's kind of like squirming and tired. And then Joe just says, Oh, but Uncle Father Paul's here. And he literally <laughs> leaped out of bed, ran over to me, and gave me this huge hug. And I thought, this is perfect. It was something oh, to behold. It was unbelievable. So anyways, so I'm doing great. Yeah, so he's... Uh, I, anybody out there listening, you know that if you do something special with your child, you're supposed to get a picture with it now, right? Like, how dare we not take a picture of something? <laughs> and I'm probably the first to be guilty of it. But I didn't take a picture of us in uh, the walleyes that we caught yesterday on the oh. 4th of July on Leo's birthday because we were in a rush to get home and whatever else. And so he's been freaking out about this picture that wasn't taken of him and the walleyes and so this morning when i wake him up he's just coming to and he starts flailing around and he's like but we didn't get a photo oh, is that <laughs> what that was about yeah i thought he was still sleeping thought, oh no i thought he the, was still sleeping because the he's first like, thing out of his mouth is that dang photo that i didn't <laughs> take of the of the walleyes you gotta be kidding and then i just kind of said but Uncle, our Uncle Father Paul's here, and he had opened his eyes by that point and stopped flailing. And once he saw him, everything changed in a heartbeat. Was, like, like oh, I think isn't there beautiful. something in Scripture where, like, you know the, you know, John the Baptist leaps for joy, oh, yes. and, the, and then I'm telling you. And then there's another one. It, yeah. Anyway, and it was it epic. Was, it was a bunch of fun. So it, Paul's morning started it off made on mine a pretty great. good foot. So, uh, Father John, you're a little peaked this morning. What's going on? Yeah, well, I am moving, and so last night after an outstanding fireworks show from the Rutten crew in Canton, I got home and had to keep packing. Um, (laughs) So it was a late night. So, so you're moving, so I suppose we could introduce ourselves if you're new to the show. I'm Joe Rutten, director of the... Well, let's. We have to change the intro, don't we, Heather? Uh, we've all we've. Well, two of the three of us have new uh, responsibilities and titles. We will get to that later. But I am now the director of the Benedictine Leadership Institute at Mount Marty College, and John, you will be. I am a priest of Jesus Christ and a beggar for help. Uh, I guess that's redundant, isn't it? Uh, I'm going to Harrisburg 
South Dakota, just south of Sioux Falls. I'll be starting the most recent parish in the diocese. And um, it's going to be an adventure. It starts today, 12.01. I am Last, no longer like past you're, you're already on? Or like 12.01 p.m.? 12.01 p.m. Man, I'm I, already on the job. You are? Yeah, this is um, this uh. is the job right here for me. If you were listening <laughs> to the intro, John, Father John, if you weren't late... This morning, you would well. call the intro was uh, the sponsors, Mount Marty. You're lucky I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm beginning to wonder if there was something about this whole Mount Marty sponsoring Joe, and then he just gets a job <laughs> with Mount Marty. So I'm not sure about that. Uh, we're going to have to investigate somebody, that. We're going to have to investigate was, this, how this all works. People got t-shirts, Joe got a job. I was at Broomtree for the St. Lambert's family camp out, and I uh, wore... The, they have a slip and slide, not quite as epic as the <laughs> Rutten slip and slide. Oh. <laughs> they have a, they had a, oh, they had a slip and slide though that was pretty incredible. Sure. So I have this T-shirt of Mount Marty on, and someone was there that works for the church, and they looked at it and they said, "My gosh, Mount Marty moves fast." <laughs> <laughs> it had just been announced that you were going, and they're like, "They've already got his brother in Mount Marty gear." <laughs> <You know? laughs> Well, yeah. So, and then Father Paul, uh, you you aren't moving, but I did come up to visit you at church on Sunday, and you do have something new going on in your life. Well, there's two new things, actually. Uh, A new rectory. So the parish just built a brand new rectory uh, so that we could house a brand new priest. Oh, Oh, bingo. So we have now returned to having an associate immaculate conception, Father Brian Eckridge, one of the new priests. Wonderful. So, the uh, do you get them all to yourself, or do you got to split them around the town at all? Or? All to myself. Uh, so, but as people here in Sioux Falls know, often priests are in need yeah. uh, at the last minute, and so it'll give us the ability. If yep. a priest would wake up sick, uh, one of us could go and cover. Perfect. But that works out. I had somebody ask me that about uh, here about you know oh will so and so be able to do this and that and I'm like no it's very territorial yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no it's well uh, and it, it, retired it, it, priests fill in yeah, a lot for a lot of yeah. things too but, uh, but it, you're assigned it, to a parish yeah and it's good that you can kind of put your roots down yeah you got to get to know people uh, in a particular place and then from yeah. there you kind of grow so yeah so it's good so we uh, had a big open house uh, let people come through and see it. Uh, yeah, so it'll be good. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I was in your last rectory. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you did take a vow of poverty, didn't you? <laughs> well, you did. Uh, no, but you we lived didn't. It. We just lived it. Uh, no. Yeah, that no, was, uh, as yeah. the St. Paul would say, you live where you live. Yeah. You know, so. But it's always, <laughs> I always thought it is good for some priests to kind of be fix up priests and. Uh, it'd be nice to follow the priest that always likes fi- fixing things up. There's usually no them. money left. But, oh. yeah, you're right. <laughs> the truth of the matter, this is what I've discovered at St. Lambert's. The truth of the matter is most rectories, well, maybe not most. You would know this better. Most rectories are about 30 years out of date. Yeah. A lot of rectories, like a priest naturally, I mean, I walked in our rectory. It was fine. The only reason we up changed anything is because everything starts breaking down. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, what's this about? And then I was thinking... Oh my gosh, if you own a home, like your home, you have to like constantly, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I guess we got to do the same. And if, you know? and if you're in and out every six to 10 years, there's not a consistent ownership based on that one person that yeah. says, all right, I've been here for 10 years. It's start to f- it's time to fix a faucet or. Yeah. And the faucet stuff isn't as much as like the bathrooms. 
you know, it takes some money to do. So you go and do a lot of bathrooms, and they or still look wallpaper, like wallpaper, wallpaper. Yeah, yep. looks like it's about thirty years old. All right, well, uh, parishioners out there, if you're listening, uh, do me a favor. Just go check out your parish rectories, and uh, just you know, just barge right in. You know, don't knock. But, you know, if they need to be fixed, uh, you know, uh, updated a little bit, it might be something for parish councils uh, to take a look at. I'm sure your priests aren't like. Looking for a nickel and dime to fix up the rectory. You guys probably have a few other things you'd prefer to spend your money on. But mm-hmm. Well, good. So new jobs, new house, and uh, Paul's got a new priest in town. So that's pretty exciting. Well, 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 well. It's good to be back, brothers. Um, how was last month without me? Epic. Epic. <laughs> Better. Better. Oh. It was my anniversary. It was my anniversary, so it was epic. All right. And, John, so. it was better because I was gone or because our because sister Catherine we... was here? Oh. Oh. Uh, because our sister Catherine was here, who was great, um, but because we recognize how much we actually need you. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah, it was evident. It was, it was evident. Well, I listened to the first hour periodically. If you're listening, I was in Michigan, and so I was gone. And I, I, I could tune in, so I'm walking around this conference, and I didn't have my headphones. I left them in the hotel, so I had to walk around the conference with my phone stuck up yep. to my ear. Uh, <laughs> you know, people are like, oh, man, who is this guy? Yeah. Uh, but as I'm out there... Uh, Ave Maria Radio with Al Cresta, who's who we carry his syndicate. Uh, he's out there at the conference, and then there's two Baptist colleges from down south in Texas that were there. So there's a whole show. So Heather, if you want to pack up and come out with me next year, uh, bring Lamb, Lamb out onto the road. And then what they do is they line everybody up. Scott Hahn and all these people that are out there, they just line them up for slots and throw them on the program. So, so were you on any of them? I w- I'm not a. Oh. I'm not in that caliber yet. Oh. I might. <laughs> you got to wear this more. This is yeah. what gets you there. When yeah, you're yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. The headset. The headset, the headset. You know, makes you look important. So while I'm out there, I was listening to the first hour. It was good. There's a bunch of good stuff. Like uh, you know, one thing that I I got to look into a little bit more was the there was a website for mothers or women oh, that yeah. Katie mentioned that I thought blessed. I could, something about it, and I thought, oh, wow, blessed that's, are we? And it's like blessed a morning. It was a morning. Uh, Morning email, right? Mm-hmm. You know that you get. So I think those are always good, although you kind of come and go on whether you use them or not all the times. But if you can get in a good habit of having a little morning devotion yep. sent to you, boy, those things are really, really helpful. Blessedisshe.net. Blessedisshe.net. So well, yeah, so the- it was good. And then the second hour I jumped on. Yeah. And it, I'll be honest with you, it's hard not being in the studio yeah. um, because you, you don't get the same feel. Uh, for what's going on in in there. So anyway, it was fun, but it's, it's good the to coffee. Be back. Yeah, you don't boy, get the coffee the that coffee you get is here. Pretty darn good. So anyway, well, let's move on here. We had a very special celebration yesterday, didn't Absolutely. we? Absolutely. Absolutely. What'd you guys do yesterday? I went to the Kranzberg Fourth of July parade, the 60th anniversary. I'd never been there before. <clears throat> Town of about 172 people. There was probably 3,000. People. Oh my gosh! It's it's unlike anything you'll ever see. Everyone should get there at least once in your life, but get there early because Highway 212 backed up as all these cars are coming to Grandsburg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. Somebody needs to be out there selling T-shirts or so, making a few bucks. Yep. So it it's it, that was something I'd never seen uh, before. Yeah. So I got to take in the Grandsburg parade for uh-huh. the Fourth of July. What was the craziest Grandsburg thing you saw in the parade? Uh, the beer float. Uh, 
Beer Flow, sponsored by <laughs> a bar, and they just fill up cups of beer and then just hand them out. Oh, really? Yep. Only in Cranford. Only in Cranford. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm>, uh, <laughs> uh, excuse, sorry, kid. <laughs> Only candy. So, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. And I, so it's like, it goes down one road, Main Street, and it turns and then it comes down another road. And I said, it's like spring break on one side. Uh, and then it's like small town USA on the other side, oh. you know? So it's like two totally different parades. Uh, so. That's, <laughs> do, uh, they, do they like. Divert traffic or something. Oh yeah! Ah, no. you look like well, something you should be over on that no. side. No, you just sort of self. You just self diagnose. You're like, yep, I don't belong on this side of the street. So it was good. It was good. So that was my. That's it's like awesome. when I went to spring break in Florida uh, a number of years ago. We went down to Naples, and it's like grandma and grandpa, you know, and they're no. all on these beaches, you know. Well, then a couple of days later, we went up to. Uh, forget over on the pencil uh, over on the east side i can't remember and it's like mtv <laughs> break, and i'm thinking we're in the same like what happened here you know yeah oh yeah it can be different well it was our uh, birthday of good old usa the united states of america as we celebrated july 4th and uh, the Rutten family had a little gathering last night. <laughs> I'll tell you, it got a little long for us after the long... The 4th of July was a tough day on a Tuesday where you got a long weekend before. I didn't... I thought we were all celebrating on Saturday. So we we do set, And then all of a sudden, like, Monday night, there's fireworks all over the place. I'm like, is it Monday night? And then yesterday, fireworks all... I mean, it was like five days of <laughs> yeah. fireworks. Yeah. Let's go back to this just having it on Saturday business. <laughs> so we had a little gathering down at uh, uh, Tom's Ranch down south of Canton there. Uh, brothers, you guys showed up as well. And uh, you guys stayed a little later than we did. We had a meltdown. and so <laughs> I think there were many meltdowns yesterday yeah. night. So anyway, tell us a little bit about the Rutten Gathering. What do the Ruttons do on the 4th of July? <laughs> we take out insurance. <laughs> uh, oh, Lord no. have mercy. Oh. So, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. <laughs> so yes. you, you, need <laughs> you need insurance uh, when visiting our brother Tom's. Yes, yeah. it's helpful. Yeah. So I don't know if anybody got any videos or photos, but if you did, you should post one. That'd be oh, yeah. Awesome. I'm gonna po- I'm gonna try and get so uh, yeah. the first epic experience of the Fourth of July at my brother Tom's was the football field length, maybe not quite a football field, um, mudslide, <laughs> and only to do it right uh, this year, he decided that. We weren't going fast enough on the slide, <laughs> and so we should hook up a ski tow rope to the the razor to the four wheeler, and we should have the person hold onto the rope, and we should blaze off as fast as we can down the side of it, having somebody drive it, and just whip you down the thing. And then, yes, Heather, there was a mud pit at the end of it that you ended up in. Yeah. It was pretty epic. Yeah, it was. And uh, I, I. I didn't join the festivities, but so I didn't do it. you guys you did. didn't. Oh, it was yeah, so no. on Facebook now on my page, John Leo Rutten, you can find um, proof proof of that we're not making that one up. Yeah, it's not the best example, but all right, check it you'll out. Because get, you'll get an idea. Went really slow. <laughs> no, this is the one no, with Tom where oh, I, I came out of half <laughs> half in mud. 
So yeah. yeah, so we did that. We had the uh, the deal, and then <laughs> we always do the watermelon bust. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and and you know, it'd be one thing to do a watermelon bust from the top of a, a, a ladder. ladder, but if you're gonna go go big, go big. No, <laughs> no. As we realized, uh, my sister-in-law Denise said it, it isn't going to be epic. Which then set Tom off, which <laughs> then required him to go to the top of his house to make sure it was epic, because we wouldn't, wouldn't want an unepic watermelon drop. So Kate, Katie, the youngest, said that when they were going down there, she mentioned something about how much she loves going to Tom's. And they said, well, why is it that you like going to Tom's so much? And she says, because everything he does is epic. <laughs> From a seven-year-old, or, you know, it's like anytime you get epic out of you, yeah. out of your six-year-old. <laughs> God love him, huh? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this is fun. Um, so, 4th of July, uh, did you guys travel? Did you go do anything else? You guys probably had masses, so you didn't yeah. get like a five-day weekend out of this thing. Some people even had to go to work on Monday, right, Brett? Brett's over there in the corner and uh, taking care of business he was in on Monday. So, what else did we do? Anything? Yeah, we had mass in the morning. You know, it's also uh, Pier Giorgio's day ah, on yes. the 4th, so it gets you know overshadowed in America. Let's come back to Pier but, Giorgio. It is quite a holiday and something that... Uh, yeah, so we had mass in the morning. About. It was a nice crowd, 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, always a good way to start independence yeah. with the source of our true freedom. Uh, and then came home after the Kranzberg parade, I needed a nap, so I took a nap. Uh, and then went to another family's house. Uh, for their 4th of July celebration where I oh, ate way too much food. Yeah, that's the hard part. Did you part get about- another nap in after No, that? I got on the road because I needed to get to Tom so I could do <laughs> the slip and slide before <laughs> they ran out of gas or somebody got severely injured. <laughs> that already happened before we all got there. Right. So <laughs> There was only one hospital uh, uh, visit during the time. Well, good. Well, you know, you you mentioned freedom. It's July 4th, and that's kind of what one of the main things we celebrate. Um, I, I'm sure you guys didn't pull out the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence or anything for a, a quick read to celebrate the 4th of July. But freedom is kind of one of the things that we like to uh, highlight as a blessing that we have here in America. But you guys have been around the block a few times. Paul, you studied over in Europe. And John, you've been traveling in a globe trekker before. Um, when you guys compare America and your experience growing up in South Dakota to the rest of the world that you've gallivanted around, what is a blessing or two that you kind of stop and think, you know what, this is this is what I'm grateful for when I think of America? Uh, do you need one, a- one that's kind of an odd one, or not real major, a diversity of food. Yeah. Like when you go to Germany, you eat German food. <laughs> like when you're in Italy, you eat Italian food. It's hard to get something other than Italian food in Italy. Hmm. And I think in America, we don't even think about what we want to eat. We just go somewhere. Oh, I'm hungry for, hmm. you know. Uh, and so I remember just thinking, you know, well, when mom and dad came to visit, they were there. Uh, and I used to complain about not having diversity. And after about whatever it was, a week, my mom's like, I'd like a pot roast with <laughs> carrots and potatoes and I'm like so would I mom <laughs> and dad went out in the middle of a rainstorm and if you've ever been in Rome when it rains it rains sideways I mean it's 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 crazy rain looking for a pot roast because he didn't believe me he's like there's got to be a pot roast you've got to be able to just bite like there, you've got to be able to do it and so he went looking he went looking he came back with flat meat 
Remember the flat yeah, meat? Yeah. Tough, leathery, thin, beefy thing uh, for supper. Uh, but here was the great thing. So we're all sitting around. We're starting to eat our meal. Uh, Gary Weisbrick says, who was the seminarian with us? Something, something kind of smells funny. Uh, our dad had put his shoes in the oven <laughs> to dry them off because they were so wet and nothing dries that they were beginning to melt in the oven. So it was the smell of burning rubber uh, in the oven. So yeah, so I will not forget that. So dad did not find pot roast. We did not have pot roast and mashed potatoes and that Carrots. is very, very unlike Fast Daddy. Oh, he was so I mad. I mean, he, he was, was like devastated. Out. I'm like, Dad, you're not going to find it. It's, that doesn't exist. <laughs> so They just don't have beef the way we do, no. do they? All right. John, you got any American, USA, um, you know, USA what, blessings? It's changing, but the one thing I thought about a lot was everywhere, not every, many of the places have been uh, in Africa and in Europe, protesting is like this regular event oh, yeah, like you just yeah. go places and people are like in the streets protesting and <laughs> signs i'm like this is so weird you know or just regularly you know every day every month in rome the taxis oh, are yeah, going to protest something you know <clears throat> so they just shut so, down they put it in the paper i remember seeing that and thinking it was so odd and uh in a sense it seems like we're kind of coming to that here yeah. and i don't know what the origin of fruit of that is but that's something that i think is different is is about them um but I, I think I like the food. I mean, yeah. that really is significant that we have a wide variety of options. And yeah. almost any town you go into, yeah. you're going to find a Mexican restaurant, an American, or, you know, like a burger restaurant and a Chinese Chains. restaurant. Uh, that's just different. Now, I think other places are changing and the flow of people. But for us, yeah. it's pretty normal. But, yeah, to be in, like, a city the size of Rome and not to be able to find, you know, diversity in so, and most people are just there for a little while, so they don't really care. They're there to eat Italian food, but when you're living there, oh, you're you like, live there. I want something other than pasta. <laughs> well, I was, uh, those are good ones. I was thinking of things a little bit even more basic, like uh, proper functioning toilets. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. That you don't pay for. Yeah, 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 That's yeah, yeah. I was in Greece. Yeah. Yeah. So in Greece, here I am, and I got to use the, the latrine, the El Baño, whatever you call it in Greece. It's And... They want money. I got to pay to get in the dang thing. I'm thinking, <laughs> what is this? Well, and the, as odd as this sounds, in Greece, the you know, it's built on a rock, or at least Athens is, and so the plumbing is terrible because it's rock, right? You're not, well, you don't put your toilet paper in the toilet. No. Nope. I mean, just think of that. Yep. Just think, nope. And you're like, these are little yeah. things that you don't even consider, yeah. right? Like, here we are, and you're just like, okay. But, yeah, a little basic. Which you means know. you do what with it? Put it in a Put garbage, in the garbage can. Which sits you. next to the garbage <laughs> the whole time. So if you're doing that, the 20 people before you have yep. done yeah. that. Yeah. But, but you know different. the secret we learned in seminary? When you travel abroad, go to McDonald's and get their little map. They have a little cartoonish map of this yep. big city, and then you can find every McDonald's, McDonald's. bathroom. They're free and they're relatively clean. Oh. Yeah, McDonald's is the key. Yep. Brilliant. Brilliant. It, it was so great. Because then wherever are, you're at in the big city, you're kind of like, oh, there's a McDonald's over here. We're going to go over here. Travelers go abroad, particularly yep. Italy, McDonald's is the yeah. key. Yeah. I remember we took a pilgrimage, and I told them about there's this. Nowhere, you can't right, just no. jump in a place to use and the And I said to, the, to them all, I'm like, well, we should be pretty good, but we might have some issues. And we got one of the ones that was just the feet, and then yep. there was just the hole. 
<laughs> bathroom. And, yeah, for the bathroom. And these ladies were like, oh my gosh, come in here. You have got to see this. They're, they're like all piling in this bathroom looking down. They're like, he was serious. It's just a hole in the ground. It's just a hole in the ground. I'm like, well, welcome to. Yeah, that that is true. Like the amenities in America, the standard by which we live. I think for an average American is much higher. Oh yeah, than absolutely. What people in other countries and yeah. European countries, yeah, which shocks me. I figure you go to Europe and you're getting these like, no, nope. beautiful. No, you're getting people who kind of live. Well, they were also <laughs> around before a lot of it existed, you know, and so then they've had to adapt. Yeah, we are. I mean, you all know, of our facilities are, you know, at. at Maximum here anyway, no sure. more than a hundred years old. But just think about the fact of how long those buildings yeah. have been around. And what it, so when we look at these types of things, I guess we have a lot to be grateful for. That we probably don't electricity, these types mm-hmm. of things, um, <laughs> air conditioning. Oh. I didn't realize what a blessing it was oh. to have air conditioning yeah. until I was in Italy, and I realized like most people didn't at least twenty years ago didn't necessarily have air conditioning and. And so this was just a basic little thing that I, I just, now we grew up without air conditioning for the most part. We had it just not, we had it, but you couldn't afford to run. It only worked on the first level. So that's why I remember getting down next to the, the radiator with the, <laughs> and just the, like laying in there for the cool yeah, air to come by. There, like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I didn't realize God. that it didn't me. Um, we always knew when storms came through. I realize you don't know in storm. You don't hear storms in the same way if you have air conditioning because the windows aren't open. Oh, sure. We had windows open all oh, our lives right. growing up because yeah. otherwise you suffocated. Yeah. <laughs> and the big fan on. Yeah. Well, the final thing I kept thinking of, and I guess it plays right back into the start of it, is that is hot dogs. I love hot dogs, and I don't really remember seeing hot dogs on the cuisine menu <laughs> anywhere else in the world, but I'm sure they're out there. Maybe Germany get does the old bratwurst. I've never been to Germany, but uh, there is Father Morgan one time gave a homily at O'Gorman while I was teaching there to an all-school assembly, and here he is. He's sitting up front, and he's giving his homily, and if you know Father Morgan, he, he's a good homilist. He likes telling a good story. And uh, he's talking about first world countries, and he says there's only one first world country, and that's the United States of America. You know, I've lived other places, Europe, like we're talking about. You know, listen, bathrooms and these types of things, there's really only one first world country. And you should have seen Mrs. Kuchenbecker, the German teacher who's from Germany. She was (laughs) livid. That is not true. Germany is. Like, all right, all right, I get your point. But when I think back on it, we're pretty darn blessed in America with all the things oh. that we have and the blessings that we got. Well, what so did you guys call and- Italy? A first world, uh, no, a third world country masquerading as a first world country. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we might be a, a globally syndicated show here. We better be careful. Oh, yeah. We might be talking Archbishop, to our Archbishop audience. Hey, but we're a show of the truth, and we Archbishop tell it like Gullickson, it is. Archbishop Gullickson, if you're listening <laughs> out there, tweet us. I want a Twitter, a, a Facebook text, Archbishop. Uh, but he's in Switzerland, and they're up in the Alps, so yeah. he's, he's living in a, he's living high on the hog. He's yeah. got a nice... He probably looks out over a ski slope, you know, or something His like that. His house is nicer than mine. I bet. I bet. He has a nice rectory. Well, God love you, Archbishop. We look forward to you coming back here and visiting this summer. He usually always comes back for a couple of weeks here about this time. So, all right. Well, patriotism, America's, you know, we love America, all that fun stuff. 
Uh, anybody got any uh, info on the history of Catholicism in America? We could do. I remember uh, Father Paul up at uh, the seminary on the East Coast, Mount St. Mary's. They used to do a, a project where they'd have to study a Catholic during Civil War, the Civil mm-hmm. War. You guys got any good uh, American Catholic saints or American Catholic story that we could share on the 4th of July here as we celebrate our faith <laughs> and our country? <laughs> we obviously know that uh, it probably it's a, it's a balancing act, though. Mm-hmm. I've studied a little bit of the history, and ah, Catholics really had to I, make themselves, uh, establish themselves as American early on in the... You know, the experiment here that, that we're all a part of. Uh, so like Bishop O'Gorman, talking about at the, at the time of Bishop O'Gorman, and when he came to Sioux Falls, it was, a, it was very much a part of his platform, if you will, to make sure that Catholics understood we are American, we can be American, you can have this national identity. Um, that's, then, why, and, that's why, a good story give you, if you go to Mundelein Seminary in Chicago, You'll go there, and it looks like you are entering a world of Thomas Jefferson. Okay, it looks a bit like Monticello. Is that how you call it? Say that Monticello. Uh, on the outside, you go inside the buildings, and it looks like you're in Rome. Hmm. Really? Because of this, it was in this age in which um, uh, you know the 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 church was desirous to be American. And John Ireland in Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis, was like the pinnacle of all of this. Uh, and so there was this great need to say, like, we are American and we can be a part of this country. And so on the outside, all of the buildings have a sense of coming out of New England, a sense of uh-huh. America, a, um, red brick and white yeah. pillar columns. Yeah. Uh, but you get inside and they look Catholic, right out of Italy. I mean, it's, mm. it's uh, striking, but that's the reason, is their desire to be a part. And really, this is why John Kennedy meant so much to Catholics of America, was he was the coming of age. He was proof that an Irish Catholic, a Catholic, could become the President of the United States. Uh, that was like a landmark moment. And even then, you can read a lot about the criticism of uh during the debates and during his run for office, him having to prove that uh, the Pope wasn't his boss, if you will. Now, I might disagree with Kennedy on a few things in relationship to how he approached his faith, but I can certainly appreciate the struggle that it would be to convince um, a Protestant nation that a Catholic could govern them and that it wouldn't be the Pope in charge. And that's been a del- delicate balancing act for America throughout its founding and till today. And unfortunately, I think instead of balancing how we can figure out how best faith and state uh, work together and, and can feed each other, we've decided just to eliminate the faith component and basically run a secular society. But that's probably a debate for another time. So, Father Paul, what are you thinking? Um, well, they're not really... It's not really old, uh, but two military chaplains, oh, yeah. uh, Capon and Capadano, oh. are both up for canonizations. Uh, chaplains, Catholic priests in the military, uh, you know, again, great service to the country. Um, yeah, and they're moving towards sainthood. So they're two which, different people here, yep. Capon and Capadano. And do you know anything about either of them just briefly? Were they... Vietnam, or they World War One, or they... oh, Vietnam, 
was the one. And then, uh, so Capadano got the Medal of Honor, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, was named the Grunt Padre. The Grunt Padre is yeah. Capadano. Capadano. Um, so, yeah, so again, just to see that, you know, that reality. There's there's great stories about uh, both of them and, and their heroic nature and their valiant effort even to make sure that the, the soldiers that they were there to serve would uh, be protected spiritually uh, and their willingness to do whatever was necessary uh, to make sure that things were taken care of. So, The uh, America's history, obviously, is pretty new as a nation, and so we don't have a ton of saints that have uh, gone through the process and, and been recognized by the church, but certainly there are a number that, if not even beatified, their stories are fairly epic. Uh, but just even as a nation... When we think about on Independence Day, our freedom and such, you know, what is freedom when we look at this great gift that we have? Do we even properly understand what we're talking about? That might be something worth taking a look at when we come back from the break. Well, I suppose, brothers, that's a first half hour wrap up, a good start to the morning. And uh, we're grateful for our listeners out there. You can hit us up on Twitter, Facebook. Um, any other fun ways, but we'll be back in just a minute. Financial Benefits Company helps individuals and small businesses prepare for retirement. The Financial Benefits Company philosophy is safe principal, positive return. You can reach John Fritch and Daryl Slykehouse at 605-334-8086. Financial Benefits Company is a proud sponsor of Lamb Catholic Radio. Dr. Beecroft and First Class Dental Care are proud supporters of Lamb Catholic Radio. First Class Dental Care offers a wide variety of restorative, cosmetic, and preventative techniques and is open late to fit busy schedules. Their aviation-themed office works to provide first-class services. Their number is 271-9330, and their website is firstclassdentalcare.com. Thank you to Dr. Beecroft and First Class Dental Care for your support of the Lamb Catholic Radio Network.
time I said I'm yours. The first time I called you Lord. And now back to the Rutten Brothers. Here's Joe Rutten. <laughs> or Father Paul Rutten. Uh, <laughs> they're not here. Uh, so anyways, well, I guess it'll just be Father Paul Rutten for a few moments. My brother's just stepped out for a little bit. Uh, so I'd like to do a quick shout out uh, to my good friend Jen Palmquist on her birthday today. Uh, we remember Jen. Uh, birthdays are always good. Uh, and then my cousin Gail Virick. Uh, today, as we remember, uh, the passing of her son, uh, David Virick. Um This is quite yeah. the good rotten show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is Heather. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. I just have to tell everybody, I, I'm, I'm not supposed to be on Rutten Radio, but you need to go out to <laughs> Facebook and watch the watermelon drop and the mudslide. That's all I got to <laughs> say for this morning. <laughs> Uh, it, it is good. Uh, we talk about we're going to talk about freedom in a little bit. So it, it is important to understand the, the gift that is freedom, uh, freedom to come and go and do what you want. Uh, well, where are your brothers? <laughs> speaking, speaking of bathrooms, uh, <clears throat> they just went, uh, <laughs> and they're coming back at some point. Uh, yeah, so. yeah. So, how's Rotten Radio going? Great. And how uh, no, long do you actually, think you guys will continue you know, it? Uh, we don't even know. We, it, yeah, it's kind of one of those things. Uh, I think it's going well. You know, you never really know exactly what you're doing or whether it's impacting people or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people seem to listen. And so we figure they might as well uh, want to be here uh, to, to listen. Right. Uh, 
And if, if they find it something inspirational, you know, you never really know how you touch somebody's life in different ways. And it is one of the nice things when you get, you know, people who will note like, you know, oh, Father, that homily really touched me uh, in this way or that way. Um, and not that you're looking for accolades, but it is once in a while good to know that God really does work through us. Because sometimes it's like, wow, that homily was not good. Uh, and then somebody comes in there, Father, that was exactly what I needed to hear. Uh, and it really sets you kind of free from having to have this sense and this understanding uh, that I know what a good homily is versus allowing God just to work through whatever it is. Uh, Brothers! Welcome back. Hey, We're really glad to have you. Hey. Oh, I threw you under the bus. You did. I couldn't stop laughing. I'm like, she's like, we've got 25 seconds. I'm like, for what? She's like, tell we come back home. I'm like, anyways, welcome. John, we we, we had to have a conversation. We had to We're talk. We were just hanging out. Yeah. Uh, we, we were having some coffee, watching the sun come up. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's too funny. Okay. Well, well, well. All right. Well, we're back here for a second <laughs> half hour of the first hour here at Lamb Catholic Radio of uh, Rutten Radio. And we're just finishing up on the last half hour talking about freedom. But before we do, if you're out there listening, hit us up. Twitter, Facebook, wherever it might be, we'll start giving shout outs too. We can so. get a Rutten Radio Facebook page, huh? Oh, that might be easier. Then somebody you has to what? maintain it. Right. That's I, not good to be. Well. It's you just maintain it. I don't know. Anyway, um, actually, that's a great idea. Yeah, Facebook's easy. Every you just once in a while, it, like, and then yeah, you just one. use it once a month. All right, everybody out there, if you're listening, do we need a Rutten Radio Facebook page that we don't manage except for one day a month when we come into the radio show, and then everybody go to John Leo Rutten Facebook page, or just use John Leo Rutten so. Facebook page. All right, so freedom, freedom, freedom. <laughs> <laughs> do you like how I did that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Freedom. What freedom. is freedom? It's kind of an interesting uh, uh, topic. It's really an important topic as we talk about July 4th. But I find oftentimes that people see freedom kind of as license. Like it means that I don't, I'm not constrained. I can mm-hmm. do what I want. I don't know if that's necessarily the understanding of freedom, though, that at least a Christian tradition would promote. Well, you can see it clearly in any addiction, right? Any addiction proves that freedom in a wrong sense um, what we can do having licensed the ability to do something doesn't mean that you actually end up experiencing real freedom you can end up bound and yeah. stuck like I can't get rid of this cigarette um, and so all of a sudden now I'm not free right. the question is can I say yes and no of my own free will mm. to something mm-hmm. would be a yep. I also will often say it's we see it as two different ways freedom from or freedom for and so often in America, it's freedom from constraints. People telling me what to do. And the Catholic understanding would be a freedom for, freedom for doing what I'm made to do. Like the more I'm free, the more I do really what's what I'm supposed to do, you know? Uh, and I operate in that sense. And the freer I become, the easier with, easier with which it is to do the right thing. You know, there's that too as well. You know, it's like, you're trying to do the right thing and it's really hard. Uh, but you still do it. Uh, the, and as I become more free, then it becomes easy to just do the right thing, to do that which I know that I'm supposed to do, uh, that which I was made for. Uh, and so to help people understand that, um, that we're, when we talk about freedom, and especially in America, we think about it like that, you know, kind of in that other way of, I'm just, nobody can tell me what to do. I can do whatever I want. 
And we would say, no, you do what God has created you to do. That's real freedom, is that ability just simply to do it uh, with ease and joy. Uh, and that's what we really want. Yeah, there's so many things there. You think of just the the Greek understanding, 2,500 years old, of virtue. You know, Aristotle's basic concept of a, of a habit, mm-hmm. uh, virtuous or vice. No. Um, and we know that freedom is only found in a life of virtue. But that also... Um, comes with an understanding that we were created for something specific like we were created for an end we weren't just created to do whatever <laughs> do whatever we want that's not where freedom is found because that's not how we were created to be and so you do see it a lot though you see it in the the, the pro-choice movement you see it in the you know, across across the board, I think just in our secular society, but this understanding, well, even transgenderism, you might see it there where it's this idea that I, I can invent or create who I am, that my freedom comes from me being able to, to determine what it is that I become. And that's kind of crazy. That's kind of crazy. And it gets us into some crazy spots and it binds us like you're talking with the addictions, John. Next thing you know, you find yourself not becoming anything that makes you happy or that actually fulfills you as a person, but it actually binds you. And what comes after that, depression and other things that maybe aren't necessary based upon those lifestyles. So, And with that, we're put in a place then to say, okay, well, I, I need a virtuous life. I need to, to you know, um, put the drink down or only have one cigarette a day or, or those th- but the human experience reveals that this is impossible or that this is a, a difficult challenge, maybe not impossible. Some would be able to do it. And how is it that we can come to this place? The Christian believes it's only in Jesus Christ. Yep. That without an encounter with Jesus Christ, it's all an idea. The Enlightenment over the last 200 years, America is the fruit of saying, you don't need Jesus, you can do it on your own. It's a divorce. The founding fathers, um, this is a broad statement, but weren't like faithful, religious, Christian people. They were deists. They were people who believed that God was a part of this. They weren't atheists. They believed God was a part of this. But in a sense, like we were, um, they were bringing about something and God was just watching. So of their own human effort, right, the Enlightenment believes we can divorce ourselves from the origin the Christian believes that it's only in fidelity to the origin that all of these things are possible. And and even the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous would recognize this in that what is it that, you know, in ministry you work with a lot of people like this, it drives them crazy that you have to have God. Drives oh, yeah. them crazy. Uh, but they would say, without God, you know, a few of you can do it. But in the end, if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Have you ever That's read, the Gospel of John. Have you ever read the beginning of the Summa by St. Thomas? I have, but I don't know. The what first you're part of the to. Summa starts off on man's search for God. Yeah. And one of the first paragraphs in it says that man, by reason alone, could reason toward the existence, toward God, knowing mm-hmm. God. But it would be extremely oh. difficult. Only a few people would be able to do it, and many errors would be made along the way. And a great deal of time. Yes. yes. Yeah, yep. and that's the truth. So it is possible, and what happens is we take these small 
and then we lift them up and then everyone spends all their effort trying to get there and we're exhausted nobody wants to admit uh-huh. they can't get there we do this as catholics sure. and a great deal and then what happens you say i can't do this mm-hmm. i can't it's do this too hard. catholicism is really leo catholicism is the recognition of a presence that moves me i'm i'm flailing around <laughs> i'm like doing all this father paul's here <gasps> Yep. That's Christianity. Yep. And Jesus Christ is the face of the one who finally can move us. And, and unless so, we have that encounter, Christianity simply becomes rules mm-hmm. of what we yep. can and can't do. Yep. And it's nothing that actually transforms or animates yep. us. And, and that, that freedom that we really are looking for comes then from that encounter. And it comes from being faithful, not necessarily to how well I'm doing these things, although that's like a part of it. It, it comes from being faithful to this mystery that keeps meeting me uh faithful to these people and that's the freedom that the world is looking for um but but in order to find it you have to accept a basic premise of god of of a relational god of of a god that i can know of a god that i need yeah a god that i depend upon and i said last i said yesterday in the homily on the fourth of july though is that's true but to come to that place oftentimes one has to discover they're bound yeah. it's in discovering i'm stuck that one finally submits to the possibility there might be a power greater than me and the story yesterday that we read was lot's wife yep well i've always hated you know i've always been afraid of lot's wife becoming lot's wife oh. like when you like move forward don't turn back don't turn back don't turn back and it becomes a christianity of telling everybody don't turn back Wait a minute. I'm Lot's wife. I I, I would like turn back. Is there no hope for me anymore? Mm. Well, I'm here. Yep. No, unless uh, 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 the salt still has its flavor. Christ, Christianity is about the fact that pillars of salt can become life again. Actually, Christianity is the fact that dead bones. Right. Ezekiel. Love the love that uh, the the valley of dried bones where sinews attached to the bones and they all rise up and it's like oh, you know uh, well good that's a wonderful uh, little um, you know there's some, there's a lot of depth there there's a lot of meat there when we talk about that encounter with Christ and I think that that's more something more that we want to come back at and we want to touch on more is that encounter because without the encounter um, I think that. I think one of the reason we have people flocking to the Christ, other Protestant churches or just leaving Christianity altogether is because they've failed to experience an encounter in it. And if you don't have an encounter in it, well, then you get bored, you don't find meaning, and you bolt. And then all kinds of other things take your attention, for, for better or for worse. Well, I think, Our, though, real quick, though, with that, the other thing, though, is, you know, and this is the challenge that, that we have to see Christianity lived you know and I think that's the other thing some of these other Christian communities do it well you walk in and you know there's something about these people like something's different like wow okay they're you know whatever and so I think for us you know how do we live that in such a way that it's evident that there's something different about us when we when we leave church you know the great line from Pope Francis you know we shouldn't look like we've always come from a funeral like Mm -hmm. there should be something in us that this this joy that as we come together and meet people and uh, experience those things. So. Yeah. 
Well, as we take a look at transitioning here, I kind of want to, let's flip back a little bit uh, to where we started this morning. That's our new assignments. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested, and I'm sure a lot of people out there listening are as they jump in their cars and they head off to work this morning. Uh, about what it means for for you, Father John, specifically uh, to start a parish. Father Paul, you might be able to add some of this from your experience as a priest, but most people don't even know what it means. Like, are you going to build a church? Uh, do you, are you just trying to collect money so that you can pay some bills quick to find out? Like, where are you sleeping? Like, where do you rest your head even, you know? You you don't have a church. You don't have a rectory. I, do you even have you an don't office? don't have a staff. Don't have an office yet. Don't have... So, so let's start uh, there. Where, what, where are you? what does it mean? Um, it means that I'm crazy. <laughs> That's what it means. It means Just I'm remember, simply you crazy. said yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I would say on a very spiritual level, and I think I say this not to spiritualize, but because it's true. What does it mean? It means that I live by faith. I'm going there because I believe Christ is actually calling me there. And I can point to real places in my life where I can say, this is what I'm saying yes to. This is who the mystery is that has entered my life. I don't have a clue what's going to happen. I don't have a clue why I'm going right now. I don't have a clue why I only got three years at St. Lambert's. Um, But I know that Christ is calling me. And he's doing it through the church. So the bishop sees this too, and the bishop has asked and things. But the second thing that I would say it means is, Maybe not as much for me. The faith is for me. For others is hope. Sure. So many people, when I say, I, I'm calling people, I bought glow in the dark rosaries for all the St. Lambert's people, my Lambertinis. I, uh, yeah. You know, because why? Because when it's darkest, sometimes you finally see the light. Yeah. You know? Uh, and the lady on the phone at the Catholic company that I'm ordering these rosaries from says, is like all stoked and pumped up that we're opening a parish. Yeah. And she's like, you're opening a parish? Everybody else is closing them. Yeah. And it's so clear, far and wide, whenever I say this, it gives people hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah what did I see? One of, the, uh, one of the dioceses, they they haven't started a new parish in 50 years. Wow. They've built new church buildings, but no new parish has, has come up in their entire diocese. You know, and so we can look at it and we can say, yep, we're closing some parishes, you know, uh, but we're also opening them at the same time. The other thing that I think is really important for us to realize is Bishop Swain is the one that's asking for this. And so, again, it's the, the, the shepherd is saying, I see the potential for this parish. Uh, it's not just the people saying we want it. And it, it's and I can't wait to be there to see it. But it's it's that moment when you dedicate your church and somebody hands over mm. the blueprints mm-hmm. to the bishop and, and they say, Bishop, on behalf of the people of this parish, we present to you your new church. Mm. And and you think about that, and in really no other place would it be that way. That the people are saying, This isn't ours. This is yours. And you're letting us use this. And we built it not for us, but for you and for the generations to come. Uh, for me, that was probably the most profound when St. Catherine Drexel oh, yeah. was dedicated to watch that moment. I'm like, Catholicism. Yeah. You were there too. Yeah. Yeah. I was there you were in as charge. a summer yeah. assignment. Yeah. These you were are, in charge this is of just organizing. Like you were in charge of, of organizing everything. Yeah. Yeah. I was in charge. Like, how is it possible that I entered seminary, that all these things happened, that I was yeah. assigned there the, the summer that they move into that church? I had an experience of being on the road, 
with them and the experience of being in the church with them. Um, and you're, you're right. And there's, and at the same time, it's not the bishop who builds the place. Right. Nope. And so there really is a sense that like, this is our lives, but we belong to a, a, an office and it's not even Bishop Swain because it was someone before him and it'll be another bishop after him. It is a belonging to a real place that's concrete but somehow transcends what we see. Mm -hmm. And it's really freeing. Speak about freedom. It's really freeing to be able to say, uh, this is the place God wants me to do the work of the vineyard. But in the end, like I belong to something that's so much bigger than me. And that's not an idea. I can say that. I can just be out wherever and just say, oh, yeah, you know, the church is bigger than me. God is bigger than me. No, it's a concrete. Like, it's bigger than me. You're a priest, too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's bigger than me. There's 80 of us in, the, in our diocese. It's bigger than me. There's how many dioceses in the United States? It's bigger than me. The bishop is in charge. You know? Yeah. 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 It's, it it is really is freedom. I mean, even just thinking about going to Mount Marty and starting down there and the great things that are ahead there. Uh, it can be daunting. It can be almost a little paralyzing when you stop and you think, "One, it really? This, I'm gonna. This is what I. I'm gonna go do." Like two, um, the maybe natural inclination for everybody, at least for me, is to think that I'm gonna go do it. Like mm. it's me. Like that's you know the pride that comes out there, the negative pride, right? Um, and then two, this idea, this the brokenness within us all that says, well, I can't do that. You know, that, that David and Goliath or the mm -hmm. Timothy, you know, I'm too young or, uh, but when you stop and you say, you know what, if the Lord wants to use me, here we go. <laughs> I always, I told yeah. sister Catherine when she hired me at O'Gorman, I said, I, she asked me in the interview, she said, now let's step back four years in seminary, no teaching experience at all. I go to O'Gorman to take a position in education, right, to be a teacher. And so here you are with the principal, with the, uh, the boss, every, uh, the, the chair, and, another, and she says, now, if you're going to do this lesson plan, what would, the, what would a day look like with this lesson plan? What would, how would you organize? And I'm like, uh, I said, I'll be honest with you. I have no idea, but we'll have a lot of fun. <laughs> and she tells the story to this day because all the methods – in the world don't replace or can't overcome who it is that actually is doing this, right? And so if I think, oh, wonderful, John Rutten's gonna go save the world or Paul's gonna go do his thing. Oh, isn't this, well, it is all great, but it's only great in that we get, a, we get to honor God because he's doing it through us, right? right. And so there, but there can be this tendency that we fight either of pride or of I'm not worthy. Sure. And just to stop and say, hey, that's pretty That's pretty sweet. That's yeah. pretty cool when you stop yeah. and you say, man, my twin brother's going to go found a community out in Harrisburg. And boy, it's going to be a lot, lot of challenges, right? You know, there's going to be lots. I mean, doesn't even have a place to sleep. <laughs> What's he going to do? And, and then in 15, 20 years, he'd be, you know, he's the founding pastor. Well, that's great, but really, what it's more about is Christ working through him, yeah, uh, and, and, and the ability what God that does, but that we that He does choose us, yes, yes, yeah. and 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 only because I see it can I help others see it too. Like we have such a tendency to miss the human person. I was just talking with the new priest, Father Joseph Schulten. That's why I was almost late this oh, morning, okay. and 
and we were talking about that. Like, it's so easy to miss the person. The person is the one God does everything through. <laughs> and it's going to be an imperfect person. Right. But do we really believe that we can look and say, that's the one. That's the one God's pointing to. Um, and then send them and then see what happens. And then in the end, because of the imperfections and all of that stuff, you say, oh my gosh, that really was God. Right. Like, yep. me? I'm a drunk. Like, you no. know, I say that from the pulpit. Sometimes I think people that are new visitors don't quite know what to do with me. I'm a little too like, I'm like, I'm just a drunk, you know? Well, I mean that in a real <laughs> profound way. When I say that, what I'm you, saying you is... Say you're, just for our listeners out there, you're in recovery. Yeah, or like I'm sober. Yeah. I'm 13 years sober. I haven't, had a, dr- yeah, I haven't yeah. had a drink more than water or pop. Like when I get really so, crazy, I have a root beer. <laughs> uh, and, and what I'm really saying when I say that is... Uh, Jesus Christ is risen, yep. mm-hmm. like, and He uses like, like me, yep. I guess. And because of that, then when I see pillars of salt in front of it, I have hope. I'm like, wait till you see what God could do with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that brings me to the butterfly circus. We're running mm-hmm. out of time here in the first hour, but we'll be back for a second hour and we'll talk a little bit about Paul's new gig. And uh, although he doesn't have a new gig necessarily, he does have a new house. And I'm telling you. He's got some pressures that know how to do things because it's all did up with flowers and all these arrangements. And I'm like, man, Paul's been busy. I didn't know he could plant flowers and stuff like that. Well, we'll come back. When we come back, we'll find out if it's actually Father Paul that's up to all the good. <laughs> we'll lead off with prayer from Father John at the top of the hour, and then we'll have our good old annual stump the priest. When Aww. we return. A stiff neck that is very painful is a common condition called torticollis. It is caused by an underlying misalignment of the neck bones pinching the nerves that cause muscle spasms and pain. Dr. Mark Hagen with Hagen Chiropractic Clinic in Sioux Falls treats this condition. Dr. Mark is located at 14th and Cliff, six blocks north of Avera Hospital. Hi, this is Dr. Mark Hagen with Hagen Chiropractic Clinic. Don't say ouch, call me at 361-OUCH. We can't broadcast the good news without you. Go to lambradio.com and find out how you can be a part of Lamb Catholic Radio. Tune in Thursday mornings on the Lamb Catholic Radio Network from 7.30 to 8 a.m. for the Avera Morning Drive Health Minute. A team member from Avera will discuss general health topics that will keep you informed on the latest in the healthcare industry. The topics are timely and will change weekly. From all of us here at the Lamb Catholic Radio, we'd like to wish a happy birthday to Father Gary Derushi at St. Lawrence in Millbank and Deacon Dennis Siner at St. Catherine Drexel Parish and Sanford Hospitals in Sioux Falls. Happy birthday and many blessings on your special day. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for June 28th. Today we celebrate St. Irenaeus. The church is fortunate that Irenaeus was present during much of its troubles in the second century. He had ideal qualities, a fine mind, great patience, loyalty to church teaching, and a desire to win over his opponents rather than prove them in error. He was born in Asia Minor but served as a bishop in France. Irenaeus was especially concerned with the Gnostics, whose teachings were attracting and confusing many Christians. The Gnostics denied the goodness of the flesh and maintained that revelation was available only to an elite few. Irenaeus challenged the heresy and, in five books, developed a system of theology that proved to be of lasting importance. His works, widely translated, gradually ended the influence of the Gnostics. 
Later, when the date for the celebration of Easter caused a rift between the Christians of the East and the West, Irenaeus interceded with the Pope on behalf of the Asia Minor contingent. The Pope's favorable response led to the voluntary adoption of the Western practice some 100 years later. Like his early life, the circumstances of Irenaeus' death in 220 are not clear. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. of the faithfully departed is being brought to you by Paulson Monuments in Canton, South Dakota. We guarantee you will notice the difference. We would like to pray today for the repose of the souls of Rita Strand, Audrey Zypher, and Janie Sprinkle. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let your perpetual light shine upon them. May the souls of the faithfully departed, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Prayers of the Faithfully Departed has been brought to you by Paulson Monuments of Canton, South Dakota. Remember a loved one, honor a friendship, create a legacy.
And now back to the Rutten Brothers. Here's Joe Rutten. Good morning, Sioux Falls. How's everybody doing this morning? Glad you guys are here. We're I in the second hour. The second hour of Rutten Radio. Um, struggling to get a word in here. We're fighting over the mic. Actually, we've done pretty no, good. No, that's here. Paul. Yeah, <laughs> Father here. Paul's. Father Paul's fighting <laughs> to get a word in. <laughs> He's sandwiched between the the, <laughs> between the, the twins. Yeah, and when yeah. you're identical twins, you're you, the egg just desires to come back together again. You're kind of always. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you're uh, listening to Rutten Radio. You can follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, the live John stream Paul, is not up. The live stream is not up uh, here today. So you just mm-hmm. check us out on the radio or get the Lamb app is really the way to go. Yeah. So the next hour, we've got a bunch of great things on on the list here. We've got to talk about Pier Giorgio Frassati. We'll oh, talk absolutely. a little bit maybe about our T-shirt designs. Those, oh, uh, oh that, yeah. That, we got to get back to that because August we pick. So. It's coming. Yeah, kids, the adults, anybody out there. We've got uh, right. one-year anniversary gift. We're going to have Rutten Radio T-shirts made. And <laughs> oh, we're is that what it's for? for? Oh, sure. Oh, we, well, Paul just thought great. of that, so I rolled with it. Oh, I sh- yeah, it's anniversary. Sorry, it's I, right. Come on, come on here. Let's look like we're planned out and we know, <laughs> we know what we're doing here. Uh, but first, we want to do any shout-outs. Uh, we got any shout-outs out there? If anybody's hitting us up or wants to get hit up and uh, mentioned on the radio, please uh, shoot us a text, uh, e- email, whatever it is, Facebook that works, and we'll give you a shout-out. And while we wait for your your phone calls and whatever else to come in. Does anybody even use the phone anymore? Remember when you used to have to use the phone to call into the radio station when you were oh, a kid? Like you there was the dial the, it so fast, and then you had to you be hang number up, seven and, and you hang call up, it again. Do it again. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's play stump the priest. Oh. As always, we've got one religious and one secular question. Now I put the questions out on the agenda this time. I, saw, I didn't. Let me Have be you honest. guys cheated? Nope, nope. I, I'll be honest. I saw them, and then I thought, I could just Google these answers. You could just Google But I did answers. not. I did not Google It's kind of like okay. being at I the... I have not looked. It's like being at the 18th <coughs> Amendment, well, but, where you play no, trivia, no, put your phones no, away. No, put let's, your phones away. let's be honest, though. You wrote the question in the outline that you handed to me, so it's not like I went searching for the questions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do it. The, uh, the first great question... What is, this one's the Catholic, the religious one. What is the first Catholic college in these United States of America? The first Catholic college in the United States of America. I'll, we can take it. We can take a second here. No, I don't need to. Mount St. Mary's? Russia. Yeah. Mount St. Mary's in Baltimore was the first diocese. So. Think about Unless it. it's St. Mary's. Isn't there, St. Mary's. Isn't there a seminary, St. Mary's? In Baltimore. I don't know them all. Oh, St. Mary's. Yeah. St. Mary's in Baltimore. Let's think about this a little bit more here, brothers. Oh, oh. is there was there one down in Florida? He's he's up to Why something. Why Florida? Because Saint, Saint that Augustine. was actually where the church first Took root. originated. It is. I bet it's St. Augustine. St. Augustine, Florida. What's going on with St. Augustine? That's, well, obviously, there's a little connection there if you got that's, St. Augustine. So, so you have to think of America. C- Catholics have to think of America in two ways. They have to think of America coming from the Northeast uh, through Protestant country, 
<laughs> and then you got to think of uh, the Spaniards coming from Florida and into Mexico right. and up through the Southwest. So, Are you trying to look up your answer? And, and <laughs> Joe because, doesn't know the answer. And no, because, Joe doesn't know the answer. He's trying to go really? for it. He, doesn't, he can't remember the answer. He's over here like... And then the, and the network locked him out of his phone. So, so that, <laughs> really? So that's why he wants us to think about oh, it. Oh, look think at this. Stump up Priest. He doesn't even know the answer. <laughs> oh, if you could see. Oh, I thought this see. was stuff you knew. If you could oh, see him right now, boy. his face is as red as his hair used to be. It's a good thing that this thing isn't being recorded. <laughs> so, All right. So this is, while, while you're looking for the answer... This is really important yeah, to understand, even right. for America, no, because we, right. in a certain portion, sure. we really look at history through the eyes of the Northeast yeah. and the pilgrims and all this. Well, America was founded also from the Southwest and from yeah. the South, yeah. And yeah. so I would say it's in Florida. Um, no, and I'm just, it, it now that you threw the Florida thing in there, I oh, did kind of get a no. little, uh, but uh, I'm pretty sure I'll that bet. I got this right. It's Georgetown. Georgetown's the first Catholic college in the United States. Oh, could it's be. Gonna come, um, that so anyway. would be right. It would be through the Jesuits. Yeah, they, it's, the North I'm American. almost positive it's Georgetown. Um, <laughs> if anyone out there knows really the answer to this question, there, uh, feel free to Yeah, tell so us if, you do, if you can confirm for me, since my phone is broke, which I'm chastising my brothers for using, but uh, I do believe Georgetown is the first Catholic uh, college in the United States of these United States of America, and you brothers can confirm that. I'm it sure is, I will be confirmed on that. All right, is it? Can we got it? A, is I believe. Yeah, yes. it is the first Catholic college, yep. and because it's in Washington, founded in 1789. It's in Washington D.C. You know, John, you were trying to get down to Florida and whatever and else. Then, but univer- I mean, it takes a while for a culture to develop a, a college, a university. They don't just pop up. So it was 50 more years. It was 50 years later when Notre Dame was founded. They're the yeah, second. No- yeah. So for 50 yeah, it- years, it was the only Catholic college. And then higher education becomes the mean. Parochial schools becomes the means by which Catholics in America, number one, find their unity, and number two, find their upward mobility. To the point where I believe now Catholics are the most educated religious group of people in the United States. Uh, And if you look at the number of Catholic universities across America, partly because of the Jesuits, they're all over the place. But schools like Xavier and um, Regis and all these different schools that have names, Duquesne, LaSalle, well, they're all the names of Catholic Jesuit saints. And so that's... uh, Anyway, all right. Well, that was a good one. I was right. I just you you got me. Once you went to the the Florida deal and you start, I, I second guess myself. It just goes to show, kids, if you're out there listening, when it comes test time, never second guess yourself. Always go with the first answer. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. This one's even funner, if that's a word. More fun. What is <laughs> speaking the oldest... about Catholics being educated? What a... funner. I prefer to be called Professor Rutten. Oh, oh, great. You what? Professor Rutten. This is going to be fun, isn't it? All right. What is the oldest institution of higher learning in the United States? So if Georgetown's the first Catholic, what is the oldest? And this one's a known, it's an entity. Uh, A couple of, a hundred years before, 1636, this college is founded. It's under a new... Virginia. No, that's a good guess, though. But no, it has a $35 billion endowment. Harvard. 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 
Nice work, John. Father John coming in strong. I was just there. I was just there not long ago, and that's the their endowment is talked about a lot. Oh, gotcha. I mean, thirty-five billion. billion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what they say in higher education is that the small liberal arts colleges like Mount Marty and some of these, um, they better do what they do and do it well in order to survive because of how education and higher education in particular is changing. Mm-hmm. But the ones that will survive, even if they aren't necessarily doing is the Harvards and so because of their endowments. Yeah. I mean, well, they have so much money in an endowment, they could run the college probably just on the interest. Th- this is maybe a conversation for a different time, but the gift actually might be the one that doesn't have the $35 billion endowment because they can sustain, sustain something that actually doesn't help the human person. Whereas Mount Marty has to propose something that changes the human person and is attractive, right. makes people say, I want to be a part of that. Yep. And you know what? I don't need huge, massive things. And I don't need all this stuff like I want to be alive and that place makes me alive. Yep. And so they can really be more authentically human, whereas uh, the largest – and this is the case with the church too. Sure. And the crumbling of the church today, I'm absolutely – fine with in a sense because i say well whatever is going to fall out is going to be more authentically human Mm -hmm. and more authentically oriented to christ right the uh original motto for harvard was christ in the church really it was where uh presbyterian i believe and unitarian clergy were trained Informed. Yes, it was a seminary. So, so it began as a as a religious institution at its heart, um, and then at some point it was changed to Veritas, which is truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know you look at that and you say, wow, you know, an institution like Harvard actually became a place mm-hmm. from our founding, which was started as a place where you trained people in faith, and now has become a place that is actually separated itself from faith yeah. and looks at it as the enemy. Mm-hmm. And it's now they're just truth. Well, when, when is, what, what is, is truth? truth? This is the question that Pilate proposes to Jesus. Yeah. I'm telling you right there, that is the last 300 years since the Enlightenment. The origin is actually in Christ and the church. And mm-hmm. at a certain point, you say, we want the fruit of what that is, but we no longer want the origin. And so we become truth according to our own measure. The question is, can it reproduce itself and sustain itself? without the origin and the answer is no no you can't uh plant can't be nourished without roots but people would say that it's surviving now yep but the question is is america surviving is the inst- you know are these all just right. being held up right now and eventually they're gonna sure yeah yeah Maybe. like i mean you just think about like a, a giant tree and you don't know what's inside it and then you cut it open and you realize it's hollowed out and it's been dying and rotting and so it's this beautiful institution it's this campus that's you know picturesque uh and inside at the heart of it is it it's gone and so eventually we'll see it crumble yeah because it can't and i don't know about the um protestant colleges but i would guess that there's a similar thing there but in the catholic world you look at franciscan and you look at uh, steubenville and Fran- franciscan steubenville and you look at u dallas and you look at uh, benedictine and atchison you look at these colleges and they're like there's something fresh about it it's like new sprouts are showing up mm-hmm. and new things are there and you're like wow th- what's down there what's over there that's that's a that's a 
that's growing over there. Yeah. yeah, and so the other week when I was out at Acton, I ran into Scott Hahn, and he said, I said, you know, we're, I'm, I'm taking a new job. I'm going to Mount Marty College. And he says, where's Mount Marty? Or, you know, I'm yeah. like, well, it's in South Dakota. And he's like, oh, I've never heard of it. And I said, well, you have now, and you're going to hear more about us in, in time here. But he's, he was so excited because he had heard now about this college, Catholic college, Mount Marty, that was um, going to reinvigorate itself, was going to propose a, a renewed vision of its Catholic Benedictine history, that it was going to seek to kind of gain that liberal arts tradition and, and move forward and be transformative agent. And, and he is just pumped up. What can I do? Anything I can do. I'll, you know, I'm like, wow. Like, now I'm trying to figure out if Scott Hahn's just filling me full of smoke or, you know. But he gave us 15, 20 minutes of his time. You know, he, I came out of the hallway. He was, come, I mean, he wasn't even dressed, barely, for for his talk. He was late for his lecture, I'm sure, everything else. And, and I thought, wow, this guy's really excited about what I just shared with him for just a couple of minutes. And I stopped and I thought, well, what's going on here? Well, what I realized is that the, that people in these communities, these colleges like Steubenville and University of Mary and Benedictine in Kansas, and they understand that they're an important source to the future culture mm-hmm. of America. And every single college that becomes a place, a beacon, a magnet that attracts and transforms people is a win for the kingdom. Yeah. So they don't look at this as like, oh, they're taking our students or, oh, we're going to be competing against them or no, 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 no. Every institution that's transformative for the kingdom of Christ is an institution that they want to support. Yeah. So here you have somebody at Steubenville wanting to come to Mount Marty and help us continue to be a great and viable Catholic institution of education. Which, and that is the unity of the church. And it's the, the truth of Christ is that it isn't something where there's a limited quantity right. and we have to like make sure we get our portion. Christ uh, encounters and pours out. There's more, like more happens there. And so, you know, I remember when we were growing up and the Clarys went to Steubenville and they were just kind of being transformed and stuff. Well, now there's like 20 Steubenvilles, or yeah. and and anybody that goes there beca- has the possibility of encountering this new life, and so there's always more. Yeah, yeah. No, there's yeah, no. Yeah, but you see that us. though, even with the disciples, you know, oh, those people over there, they're they're preaching, but they're not part of our group, and Jesus is like, well, they're using they're, my if name. they're using my name and doing good works, uh, they're not a threat to you. Yeah. But again, the disciples are like, wait, no, no, <laughs> they're not in our group. Yeah. They're not part of us. They, we can't have that over, you know. And it's like, no. If if God bless them, yeah. if they're doing God's work, they're not a threat. I was I was thinking about uh, about that. The the new the Benedictine the Uda, you know and how each one kind of has a character to it too. Like sure. every human person has a uniqueness. Yeah. An institution can have a uniqueness, and so you are able to say, oh, that group. Right. The apostles were able to say that group that has those characteristics, they hang out over there. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like saying those people that hang out at U Dallas, those people that hang out at Mount yeah. Marty, those ones, and they kind of have this thing about them. I can't quite put it together, but I usually, after five minutes of talking to them, I know they're from Mount Marty. Yeah. Um, and the truth of the matter, though, is each one of them you can trace back to a person. Hmm. Everything comes from the person. Sure. Father Michael Scanlon. Yep. Yep. Uh, you you can go back and you can say, and I remember at Mount Marty when I met Mark Long. Mm. 
we brought the St. John's Bible from Mount Marty up oh. to St. Lambert's. And Mark Long came with it. Oh, wow. And I'm like, well, hi, how are you? I'd been down there, but he was new. And I, and I was like, well, what brings you up here? And he's like, oh, to introduce myself. I'm like, well, but like, you know, what else are you doing up? Well, I'm nothing. I'm like, you drove from Mount Marty up here to say hi to me? To like meet me? <laughs> like, I, that didn't make any sense. I, and me talking with him 15 minutes. And he walked away and I was like, there's something happening there. Yeah. The person, he was the one. And so when they started all these meetings and Dr. Tom Lorang and stuff, um, they're going around. And I just said to him, I said, I think you want my brother. <laughs> <laughs> I told him that. Yeah, at the meeting we were at the district and they had this thing. And I basically at the end, I was like, I could say you should do this and this. And I did have a plan. I sent it to Jane Wood and I, I had some ideas. But I was, the truth of the matter is a person. A person's at the heart of all change. When a person is changed, things change. And I, I think you want my brother. You're looking for my brother. <laughs> Lord have mercy, whether you like it or not, you got me. Here I come, Mount Marty. I'm jumping in my car and headed south. So, you know, this is fantastic. And just to wrap up and then we'll take a break as we finish on that note these great catholic colleges out there you know kids are going uh, to bismarck to university of mary up there with monsignor shea and they've been going down to benedictine and you know i taught 10 years at catholic high school and i've watched them move around ave maria in naples florida and they originally steubenville's the 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 origin of a lot of this and you know i've always just kind of said you know how come they don't go to mount marty and it isn't that people don't go there. I just never really encountered people that went there and had this transformative experience that they came back with and said, wow, mm-hmm. you've got to get a, like this. And I got down there. I'm like, oh, wow, there are, it's happened. There are things happen. They have great things going on. There's what's the identity and what's and so that's kind of why I say I want to go down there and listen and find out what is it that makes this place special and then bring that to everybody and say you know what look at what's down here you guys got to come and experience this you got to encounter this and then next thing you know Scott Honnell know where Mount Marty is not only will he know where it is but we might have to bring him on in so we can show him how great it is but have him help us continue to become a great place where people encounter Christ and are transformed for the gospel. Amen? Amen. Why don't we take a quick break? You're listening to Rutten Radio on Lamb Catholic Radio here in the plains of South Dakota and Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We'll be back in just a minute. In the silence, God speaks. At Broomtree Retreat Center, this is more than just a saying. It's experienced every day. Located six miles west of Irene, South Dakota, Broomtree provides modern facilities and a favorable environment for you to experience God's continual call to conversion and growth in faith. Whether you're looking for a silent retreat or a place for your family to get together, the opportunity awaits at Broomtree. For more information about our scheduled retreats or camp availability, call us at 605-263-1040 or visit our website at broom-tree.org. Love Catholic Radio? Join us in bringing the truth of Jesus Christ to Eastern South Dakota by donating today at lamradio.com. If I told you my story, you would hear hope. They wouldn't let go. 
Put their phones down and get off Twitter and everything else. It reminds us we've got to do a shout out, brothers. Uh, you guys want yeah. to hit anybody up? Anybody looking to get their name <laughs> called? I'll do the, I, I'll do the first one because I got a really really good one, and you'd know him, Christopher Fondine. So that was mine. I, you no, stole mine. That's why I had to cut you off. And, not that I'd ever. This is cut like you buying off. Walkmans when we're eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, or the shirt Walkman clothes story. When we're, the Walkman uh, story. Let's we'll get to that one so another time. So Christopher Foundine. Well, I'll do John and Cheryl Foundine, who right. are his parents, and they. Cheryl is the accountant at Saint Lambert Parish, um, and they're on vacation. They're going on vacation, so they're packing up. And while they're packing up. They're, They're getting a little drink from the cool <laughs> glass of Rutten Radio. Cool drink or a, or a fire hose. <laughs> I'm not sure which one I describe it as. but uh, So Christopher, their son, I taught at O'Gorman. And I uh, saw he was volunteer of the, of the month uh, at Avera. Um, one of these last months, him and his dad volunteer at the front desk there at Avera. And so Christopher's pretty awesome. So a shout out there to Christopher. Paul, what do you got? Well, I was explaining to Father John earlier. I did my shout-outs while you guys were gone. Oh, earlier. <laughs> so as we were filling. Uh, so, But I'll shout-out to some of my high school classmates, uh, Sean Gross and Jason Friedman and Jason Benson. I don't know that they're listening or not, but they anyways, ought to be. They ought to be. So so where are they all at? Are they around the world in the uh, States? Benson it lives here in town, but they're at Okaboji. Uh, Grossy lives in North Carolina, and then uh, Friedman still lives in Virginia. Gotcha. All right. Off doing great things. I uh, ran into Sean at his mother's funeral here a couple of years back, and I actually still have his mother's holy card from her funeral um, in my possession. Just had it last night, of all things. Seems to always pop. You ever have that thing that just always pops up, and it's like, oh, Mary Gross. Should probably say a prayer for Yep. Amen. So... With that, uh, Sean's a runner, you know, and he, I'm always still following on Facebook. Still He's still running. running, man, getting things done. The kid's amazing. He's an animal. So, all right. Well, let's see here. And he's also tremendously faithful. Like, oh, my I gosh. He's yeah. dialed in. Like, yeah. Sean Gross, I think you're dialed in. So yeah, good is. for him and his wife, and uh, we would love to have Next time you're back, we should have him on the program. I was be. just thinking, well, he'd be great. <laughs> I kind of jumped in. I was thinking sometime we should have we should have someone who fascinates us but isn't Catholic. Perfect. Next month, the uh, like, the fascinating you know, tales of individuals like people who are we not know. Catholic. Yeah, people oh, we okay. know or people that we like have a relationship with, sure. but is aren't necessarily oh, like insiders, so to say. Yeah. Because we uh, that's that's like sure. All right, uh, I got mine. Yeah. All, right. All right, I already got it. I don't have mine. But I, don't I just know. Right. I don't well, next month. Fascinating tales of the non-Catholic. All right, let's uh, let's chat here a little bit about uh, uh, somebody's special feast day that was yesterday on the July Fourth. Doesn't get a lot of coverage here in America because of it, but uh, Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. Now is he beatified or is he a saint yet? Is he no. is it still blessed? Right? How do you get a feast day when you're just blessed? Yeah. Man, that's pretty cool. Well, all right. So, Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, he is somebody that I've always said everybody ought to know about. He's kind of the new hit saint, if you will. You know, it's Trez of Lisieux there for a while in the 90s. And all of a sudden, this Pierre Giorgio just came onto the scene. But uh, when teaching my kids, I always said if I could describe Pierre Giorgio in 
just a, a quick uh, visual. All the girls would want to date him, and all the boys would want to be him. Mm-hmm. Is basically who Pierre Giorgio was. But tell us, tell us a little bit about in honor of his uh, feast day yesterday, bo- uh, gentlemen. A little bit about Pierre. <laughs> I always love how this works. Joe just sort of tells us something and then asks us to explain it. Then John looks at me and says, well, why don't you tell him? Uh, <laughs> Once uh, I start talking, I won't give right, you no, a, no, 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 a, no, no, yep. a moment. So, P- but... P- Pierre Giorgio lived in Turin, Italy uh, at the turn of the 19th century there. Uh, his dad ran the newspaper, was uh, kind of big in politics, and they were, you know, affluent. Uh, they had a sister. Uh, but Pierre definitely had a great love uh, for the Lord, the Eucharist, the poor, uh, and really lived that out in, in incredible ways. He jumped on the scene because of World Youth Day in Rome. Uh, they That was when they used his picture up on top of the mountain. Oh. Uh, he'd been standing up on top of a mountain. Uh, and I think that's kind of what like propelled him uh, into kind of our stratosphere of seeing him. Um, but yeah, it was just an incredible, you know, athletic, had a good time, like to, you know, joke around, uh, those kinds of things. I went to school, engineering school, was a hard worker, uh, was liked by a lot of people. Yeah. One thing that sticks out to me is he had this band of friends. I can't remember what they called them, like the misfits or the... The sinister. You know, the sinister. What? The sinister. Was it the sinisters? The or? sinisters. And he was a jokester and in a sense... Reminds me of a G.K. Chesterton kind of guy who would say, who would, you know, to be Catholic isn't to be somber. Right. You know, Pier Giorgio Fassati was somebody who was engaged with life. He uh, had many facets. Mm. But at the heart of it all, he knew the source of life was Christ in the church. And so because of that, he had this dimension that was so other. and he would go at, at the end of the night. And his family didn't like that he was pious and that he was doing these things. So it was really kind of quiet and he would serve the poor. Yeah. And I loved the the story at the end of his life. He dies young from tuberculosis, I think. Yeah. And no, on the polio. inside of the Cathedral of Milan are all of the dignity of the city and of the area because his father was prominent. He was from a prominent family. And at the end of the funeral, when you open up the doors, here's all of the poor. Mm-hmm. All of the poor. It's like a story right out of the Gospels, but it just happened. Yeah. Like you can see the pictures, yeah. and you can yeah. There's uh, tons and tons of because pictures he knew their online. names. And right at the end of his deathbed, he's he's telling somebody, "Oh, here's the medicine that's for so and so that you'll find here. Would you go take care mm-hmm. of them?" You know, um, he didn't just like give money. He knew the poor, and um, that always kind of sticks with me. That yeah. it, at the end of my life, would a poor person know who I was oh. not like did I give money or sure. did do I tithe no at the end of my life would someone who is homeless know who I am would someone who doesn't have much Down be able driving. to say oh my gosh sure. see my picture in the paper and say oh that was him that was him well, not yet. They wouldn't. Maybe. <laughs> like, <that's great. laughs> They're like, yeah, he drove by me the other day. He didn't even roll his window down. Uh, yeah, he's. It, it, there's a great book out there. If anybody's listening, I really encourage you to pick it up and read it. It's an easy read, written by his sister called the Eight, the Man of the Eight Beatitudes, and there's just fantastic stories in there. One of them was. He'd steal flowers from his father's office and take them for the casket for funerals of people that were poor or didn't uh-huh. have, have means. 
Um, but just lots of great tales like that. And he, when he got his uh, train ticket income and money to go buy his train ticket, he'd still ride his bike to and from school. And then he'd take the tram ticket money and he'd use it to buy the medicines and things like this for, for those in need. He'd wake up and he'd go to mass in the middle of the, you know, real early in the morning. I suppose if there's a monastery, you know, the monasteries pre-Vatican II, you'd have masses all the time. So you probably could go to masses whenever. But they'd say that he'd sneak out at night and he'd go to mass. And then he'd come home and, and his family would find him sleeping on the floor or something in his clothes. And they'd think like he stayed up all night or something, you know, or he got up early and fell asleep. But literally they know he's sneaking out of the house. But I think for me, the real test is he did not grow up in a culture of faith his parents his family environment was not faithful and a lot of times we're very blessed as ruttons because we did have a a home of faith and we we have that nurturing environment and that's very important maybe one of the most important things to disseminate and passing on the faith yet here pierre was uh, without that, and yet God's grace can still be present and mm-hmm. can still be found, whether it's the graces of baptism or what it might be. But uh, there's hope for everybody out there. It's not like, oh, I don't have this or I didn't have these parents or whatever your circumstances are, they're bogus. Yeah. Circumstances don't matter. The grace of God is greater than any circumstance that we can encounter today. And this was the transformative moment I had yesterday when preaching is I realized I'm Lot's wife. Do I believe in a Christianity that looks at the pillars of salt and says, "Wait, is gonna watch what's gonna happen here," uh, because that's what Pierre Georgi could say in his own family. I got a family filled with pillars of salt, but instead of being embarrassed of them or needing to get away from them in order to protect himself so he doesn't become a pillar and all these different things, no, he goes and serves Christ and the poor in all these different ways, and then he just waits, like Christ is gonna get him, uh, and. It's so hopeful when you see that because then it's not up to me to turn them into living creatures. Otherwise, I think the reason I walk away from them is because if I don't, I'm going to despair if I think it's up to me. (laughs) Right. I mean, I even think, uh, well, that's another. Never mind. All right. Well, we're pretty blessed here with great examples like Pierre Giorgio Frassati for the church to Kind of, I always say, give us the footprints in the snow that we can step step in and kind of follow their example and their way of living and uh, hopefully become like them as well, but like Christ, obviously, who they imitate. Well, I think the other thing that with them and why John Paul really started to canonize more and more people is they take away all those excuses that we sometimes uh, will make. Like, oh, well, St. Francis lived in a time and a place that, you know, well, you know, all of a sudden you're you're getting men and women who you can't say that about anymore. You can't say, well, they lived at a time and they don't understand or they didn't know. Uh, it's like, well, no, uh, Pierre Giorgio uh, is a little too close uh, for you mm-hmm. to say that. Uh, and, and so, again, it, it just sort of, for me, I think it's good because then the young people um, or uh, the, the Mexican martyr, St. Luis, Jose Del Rio Sanchez, Sanchez Del Rio, uh, you know, again, young boy, uh, family wasn't supporting him, you know, all those things. And it's like, well, Christ has to be the center. And that was the gospel. You know, Jesus says that if you, you know, if you do not love me more than Mm. your mother and your father, your sons and your daughters, you you can't be my disciple. Like Mm. ultimately we have to ask that question is, is Christ really whom I love the most? And is Christ really the one that animates me? 
And part of that is if my family doesn't follow, what do I do? Yeah. I took uh, some high school kids to a trip two years ago, I think. And, you know, it's one of these camps and things. And, you know, I didn't know them. I knew them well enough, but it's not like we knew we were going to have a great time. (laughs) Everything kind of falls apart. You ever been in one of those camps and kids aren't getting it and you're like, I'm not getting it. Like, get me out of here. Like, I don't even like, I know why you're depressed. I don't like it either. <laughs> okay. That's like in me. And so the adults meet at the end of the night and, um, and I just finally say this after, I think, three days. I just finally told them. I'm like, I'm like really despairing. These kids don't get it. They don't want to be here. It just seems like they don't want to be here, I mm-hmm. guess. I think they were fine, but... And the guy looks at me, one of the guys looks at me, name's Jeff, and he says, is Christ not enough for you? I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Of course Christ is enough for me. Oh, it just seems like Christ isn't enough for you. And it just like broke through. What was he saying? He was saying, I need these kids to be happy for me to have happiness. Mm-hmm. I need these kids to like enjoying being here. And all of a sudden, it occurred to me, wait a minute, I am in a place where we hike. I'm in a place where we sing music. I am in a place where we have the lake and beautiful things. I'm in a place where we get to see the sunrise and the sunset. I am in a place with adult friends that help me in my life. I have everything I want here, but I didn't recognize any of it because I was so in need of these kids to act a certain way for me. And the reason? Because Christ wasn't enough for me. Christ was in so many things. And from that moment, it all changed. And I'm like, I don't care if these kids want to be here or not. Actually, if they want to go home, I'll find a way to help them get there. (laughs) I want to have a great time here. It was the most amazing transformation. The The next morning when I woke up, one of these high school guys I'm walking in, and he pulls a chair. He moves his chair out, and he pulls a chair from the back row and puts it right between him and this other person and says, Father, come sit here. Wait a minute. This is like something totally new in him. And it's when I realized I have to be able to live in a way where I don't need mother or brother Mm -hmm. or sister or friend, nothing. You guys can go do whatever you want to do because I've found the one that makes me free. The uh, Matthew, I think there's a couple of scripture passages that say it, but everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. And you encountered eternal life right there. And I, I'll give a shameless plug right now because it, it, it's one of the greatest stories I've heard in my lifetime. But um, as I left the cathedral, I had promised that I would give a... Um, I would do an evening for Mamre Coney, my friend oh. from uh, Ivory Coast, to share his story. Well, two years ago, Mamre showed up on my doorsteps at the cathedral, saying, "Can you make me? Can you help me become Catholic?" And he could barely speak. I thought he was just—I thought he was one of the refugees or immigrants of the cathedral parish that we have so many of that are wonderful, beautiful. Um, but his was uh, after two months. I realized Mamre's different. There's something different here. He literally packed everything up. His fiance, his, he's, he's Muslim. His family is Muslim. His community is Muslim. Every, and so he had encountered Christ in a woman who was evangelizing a Catholic charismatic group in the Ivory Coast. And after a while, he decided he wanted to become Catholic. And his 
fiance's family said not in our family you won't be and you won't be marrying our daughter or sister if that's the case uh, and his own family said, mm, I don't think this is going to be the way that you go. He left everything. He had his own, 34 years of age, had his own business, shut it down, had his fiance left her, had his home, left it, and he came to Sioux Falls, South Dakota to become Catholic, to follow Jesus Christ. And I've never in my life seen anything like it. And he's still here in Sioux Falls. He's flourishing. Mm -hmm. He's filing for an asylum case. We'll see if he gets it. But anyway, he's going to tell his story on uh, July 19th at the cathedral at 7 nice. o'clock. And we'd love to have anybody out there come and just listen. It's going to be a little fundraiser. Uh, the lawyer did it all pro bono. No, So we've never paid anybody. We've just figured out a way to do it. He's living, a family adopted him. He lives with a family in town. He is the most amazing man I've ever met in my life, I think. This was the guy I was going to share about, John. He's Catholic now, though, unfortunately. So maybe he doesn't qualify for our story next year or next month. But Mamre Coney... July 19th at the cathedral, 7 p.m. Anybody's welcome to come. This fantastic story of conversion of a man of faith to the Catholic Church. And his realness of faith when he talks about sacrificing lambs. You know, they, the, is Muslims and Jews still sacrifice lambs. Well, we don't as Christians. Why not? Because the lamb was slain. Mm -hmm. You know, and so all these wonderful things. Uh, but just, Paul, you kind of talking about that leaving home giving it all up. It's all about Christ, John. And this is what people do. There are saints among us. They walk among us every day. Yeah. And we need to see it. I mean, we need to be challenged because we, we want the Christianity that doesn't ask me to give anything up, you know, and we just want this Christianity that's going to be comfortable. It's going to be the pew I sit in. It's going to be the time I go to. It's going to be all these things. Uh, and there's no life in that. You know, and I think that's the problem is when you don't have that that challenge, that coal, then you end up with this lukewarm Christianity and it's not life giving yeah. and it doesn't do anything. It just stagnates. Well, I know that when, uh, you know, you quick search things and look things up, Wikipedia is usually the first thing that pops up. And when they brought up Pier Giorgio Fersati, their main tagline for him was uh, Italian Roman Catholic social activist. And I thought to myself, mm, not quite. He, he wasn't a social activist in the sense that modern, modernity thinks of social activists. He was a gospel activist. Yep. He was living out and preaching and following what Christ called him to do. He wasn't a social activist. He was a Christian. Mm -hmm. He was doing what we're all called to do. And so with that, let us just continue to remember the saints among us, see them. Tell their stories, be inspired by them, seek to be like them as well. And hopefully all of us come to encounter Christ in a new way this morning and this day as we go about our activities. Um, we're wrapping up here in the final hour. We've got just a few minutes left. There's so much that we could talk about, right? Uh, we, didn't, we didn't get to our t-shirts. No. But anybody out there, do we still have the t-shirt designs and that stuff? Yeah, we do. Around? We so do. We want to get, next month we're going to pick out a t-shirt. We're going to get t-shirts made for the new school year. Uh, and Rutten Radio, if you got any ideas of what they should look like, I think John has a couple of mock drawings and we've got some different designs. And I've even got a, a you know, a nine-year-old boy back at the cathedral that designed a full 
full template that he's interested in. So we'll pick one of the designs for our Rutten Radio t-shirt. And, you know, we'll find a sponsor for it. All of this is sponsored. You know, this isn't possible without our great sponsors here at Lamb Catholic Radio. Uh, We're grateful for them, for the sponsor of Mount Marty and other sponsors that make the Rutten Radio show here possible. So we encourage you to continue to sponsor uh, this wonderful Catholic ministry and apostolate that makes, uh, whether you like it or not, I guess if you're still listening, the Rutten Brothers possible. Also, I encourage you to check out the USCCB gathering, the, the Catholic gathering in Florida. Father Paul, what is that? the title of that gathering? Do you know, uh, the Catholic Church is, is having a little get-together, I think, that's they, wrapping up. They just had it. They just had it. it what was it? It was the convocation. Uh, I don't know the full title. Uh, the convocation down in Orlando, Florida. Uh, with uh, It's Convocation of Catholic Leaders. The Joy of the Gospel in America. Wonderful. Uh, yeah, and it looked like, from what I could tell on Twitter and Facebook, um, I was saying earlier, it it sort of looked like our bishops have, have realized the power that comes from like a Focus Conference or a Steubenville Conference or these various conferences when we get together and there's just this energy and this excitement. And uh, and what's interesting is, is at those things, often you'll see... Uh, bishops there but they're sort of there to speak and then to go and and what i could tell from this was it, it, it no they were they were there like so the table was dr chris bergwald eric gallagher bishop swain uh bj and brandy schaefbauer so you like had the whole aspect of, a, of the diocese just kind of sitting at a table together mm-hmm. instead of the bishops at their table over yonder you know kind of in their special place and like nope they all came together and and really trying to say, how does this get lived in America? And what I think that that we'll find from it is not that there's going to be new programming, but instead we're going to be able to share what's already happening. Mm -hmm. And I think this is sometimes the the challenge is how do we get the message out that that it is happening so that Scott Hahn knows who Mount Marty, where Mount Marty is, those kinds of things. And and that's the beauty of social media. Uh, It's the beauty of what we have here is the ability to share Christ is working. He's alive and well. There, there's no reason to despair uh, because it, we're, we're fine uh, in the sense that Christ is, is amongst us. Will there be some struggles, some pain, growing issues? Yep, yep, that, that'll come along too. What, may, what I think about when you say that is the 125th anniversary. Yep. And what I desire to do is help the world recognize that Christianity and its power doesn't necessarily come from a programmatic scheme at that or after that. It comes because of the people Mm -hmm. that are there. The most powerful part of the 125th, I believe, was the coffee grounds, common grounds. Oh, the coffee, the coffee shop. shop. That place was busting with life. More happened inside that place than I think happened in some of the, the side rooms. Yeah. Because yeah. people were like saying, wow, I just heard this person talk. And then they were able to say their own story in relation to what the sure. person talked about. And and the Dick, uh, Mary Hublow and some others, uh, I think the Freedmans helped bring, organize it. They had so much fun doing that. Like, what if we could just do those things? What if that is the origin of new life. Living mm-hmm. life aware that in the midst of coffee, 
brothers. <laughs> well, with that, I think we'll wrap up with a toast. Uh, cheers to the Rutten Brothers and Rutten Radio here at Lamb Catholic Radio. Once again, thanks to all our sponsors. And we're grateful, especially this morning, for the gift of our baptism, for the gift of salvation presented to us this day. If anybody's out there listening and maybe you just turned it on quickly and you're out there and you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I'm not... I don't know if I've encountered what they talk about. I don't know if it's personal. I don't know if I've had that transformative experience. You know, I just encourage you to give your life to Christ, to encounter him each day and the people that Christ brings in front of you. And if you need, give Father Paul or Father John a call. (laughs) I don't know if Father John has a number yet, though. So you have to call Father Paul. We will have an office by God's grace by 5 o'clock tonight. 5 o'clock tonight. I want to have mass. In Harrisburg tonight, (laughs) but we need some prayer stuff. All right, out there. You heard it. Give Father John all your prayers to the Catholic community of Harrisburg. And with that, uh, Father Paul's off to Watertown. Father John's off to Harrisburg, and I'm off to Yankton. So (laughs) here we go, brothers. God love you. Why don't we end with prayer and our family prayer. In the name of the Father, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our Father, we thank you for your love and for your many blessings, especially for the precious gift of each other. Help us to show our gratitude by loving each other as you love us. Make us understanding and patient with one another, quick to admit our failings and ask forgiveness, generous in sharing the joy and strength we can give to each other. Father, give our family lively faith and courage to share with those around us. Direct us to the state and life you plan for each of us and help us to use your gifts to serve you. We entrust our family to your fatherly care. Preserve us from the corruption of the modern world and help us draw closer daily to you and to each other until we come to share with you the of heaven. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, help us to be a holy family. Amen.